people don't get out and get in another person's skin or shoes because they're scared. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're scared and it's unpleasant and they, you know, they don't like maybe what they might find. Welcome back to In Session with Jared and Clay. I'm Dr. Jared Cox. Thank you for being here with us. As we get started in our show today, can I take you back just for a minute to 9-11 Ground Zero? Do you remember the moment when President Bush was standing in the crowd amongst all the firefighters and all the heroes who were cleaning up the debris, and, and you hear this voice from someone in the crowd who says, We can't hear you. And the president grabs a megaphone and he says, I can hear you. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear from all of us soon. That moment was unforgettable. And not just because we are strong and not just because we will not be punched like that, but because we believe in democracy. In democracy, the people are supposed to be heard. Today in our streets, the unrest is people who are saying, you don't hear us. We've been trying to speak up for hundreds of years, and now we have to shout. And it's hard to accept that because we believe that we do hear them. And we believe, quite frankly, that some of them have said enough. But see if this sounds familiar to you. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were having a little bit of a hot discussion, which was pretty much the same conversation we've been having for just about all of the 18 years that we've been married. And however many times... A wife can tell her husband the same thing over an 18-year span. That's how many times she's been telling me I was being inconsiderate of her in this particular regard. And for 18 years, I have thought, I hear you, but you're wrong. It's you that misunderstands. It's you that's not hearing me. Are you with me? But the other day, for some reason that maybe I'll find out today, even though what she said was the exact same thing, the exact same words that she's been saying for 18 years, what I heard that day, it was different. And I could finally tell her, okay, I hear you. So today I just wonder, how can we get to that point in our country regarding racism? So that the people in the streets don't have to shout and the blame can stop and the fight to be right can stop. And we all know that both sides are going to have to learn to hear each other. And 18 years in my marriage and 400 years of racism in America says hearing each other is not so easy to do. So let's talk about it. Today, Clay and I are joined again by Dr. Greg Harrison, Chaplain Jason Darden. It should be a great show today. I'm thankful you're with us. I'm thankful they're with us. Here we go. Do not let this episode out. Tread lightly. Jason, welcome back to the show, man. Good to see you. Hey, good to see you. (laughs) Greg, thanks for coming by. It's good to be here. And Coach is back from Texas. Man, it's it's great to be back. It's... um, you know, the last episode where I called in, that was that was kind of hard. That was difficult because I couldn't see you guys. And a lot of what I do or say is uh, somehow emerges just from the interaction and the face-to-face, and I wasn't, wasn't able to be there. So A little difficult from the pool, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and to be honest with you, I have no recollection of what I even said or much of what we talked about it's really strange <laughs> usually usually i keep a 
kind of a good flow. And so that's how kind of disconnected I felt. So hopefully it, it doesn't come across that way, but it's, I say all that to say, man, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, we're glad sitting to be here at the right. table with you guys. Sure. Oh, sure. Get back in back. the zone here. Hey, yeah. do any you got? Do your do your wives talk to you like this? Do your wives talk to you the way that? <laughs> am I the only one that's been having this problem? You know, I I be honest. Listening to that, I I am probably the one that says what your wife's in <laughs> 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 ours. Uh, <laughs> Jason, is, how does it go yeah, in I'm your just, house? Man? Again, I'm just thinking how I can say this without snitching, <laughs> getting myself in trouble. So I'm going to be very careful. No, no, I can't. I can't. I'm going to tell it like it is. So my wife and I, we're completely different. Like we're so different. Our personalities are two extreme personalities. Like according to Myers Briggs, I'm an ESTP. And my personality type is the same as our president's, Donald Trump, right? I'm not saying he and I are the same. I'm just saying that's my personality type. My wife is an ENFJ, and she has the same personality type, I believe, as President Barack Obama, right? So (laughs) if you were to look at our conversation, that's what you would be seeing, right? So. I am the way I am, and this is the way it is. And Mary is like, well, we got to rethink how we do this. So I definitely uh, can identify. And Mary is the one that says very often, are you listening? You're not hearing what I'm saying at all. You're just off in your own zone, right? So I can identify with that totally, totally. You know, the interesting thing is, and in in my marriage, it's been over the years, I've been married 41 years, we will have, you know, really good conversation. But one of our challenges is I can't really get my wife to tell me, you know, what she's really always really thinking, thinking feeling yeah, and believing yeah. because she's so kind. And so, you know, she's always, she, she kind of grew up with that mentality of it doesn't matter what I'm, what I think, feel and believe. And I'm always trying to get her to say, no, it absolutely, it does matter. And and if you don't if you don't verbalize that, and it, this was the case especially early in our marriage, I, I believe you when you say everything's all right. Mm. And then I, you know, I tend to just do what I want to do, and I, I kind of, you know, mm-hmm. run the show like that. And that that doesn't always work out to be, you know, exactly uh, healthy either. But you know, you live and you learn. And what I find interesting about Jared's story is that. To me, what I hear that that is a microcosm of what happens in in our country when we get to some of these complex issues. As you said, I mean, we're four we're really four hundred years behind mm-hmm. having the dialogue and the conversation. It appears now that there's a, an emphasis to to go that direction, but we're should have been four hundred years ago that we really started dialogue and and interaction and relationship, but be that as it may, what's interesting is to me, what was going on in Jared triggered that shift in context to where he experienced the same words differently, almost had an aha moment as to, okay, I hear you Mm -hmm. now. You know, that's what we're looking for is a shift in context to where the majority has that aha 
moment. Mm-hmm. Instead of taking the stance of being accused or, or, or anything else, whatever they come up with, what does it take to be heard? That's a profound question. No doubt. I think. And no it's, doubt. Uh, it's so interesting, your story, because that shift in context has made a difference in your relationship. I don't know if it's a huge difference, but I promise you it's a difference. Mm -hmm. And difference breeds difference. And those are the kind of things that we're pushing for with this podcast, with the, you know, trying to spark that in, you know, in the nation. You know, it's only been a few weeks since that occurred, but that moment, it has been good for us. I, I don't know if it's been as good for her as it has been for me, but it has been good for me because... Because now I think she can better trust that I do understand what she's feeling, at least in that particular regard. And now I'm able to communicate in a way that honors her like, you know, like I want to do. And so when you say difference breeds difference, I can see that happening in our home. And, and you know, on our show, we don't want to have the same conversations that have been happening for 400 years and so how do we facilitate that shift in context that you were talking about? How do we facilitate that so that we can move towards the minority voices feeling like they are heard? So in the Army, we have three levels of operations. So we have the strategic level, and that's where the combatant commanders, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, all those guys are on the strategic level. Then you have the operational level. And those are in certain regions, they, they, they are over certain territories. And then you have the tactical level, which is boots on the ground. And in the Army, we often say that those policies made up at the strategic level, they shift all the way down to the tactical level. And then when problems arise and we try to share what's going on to those at the strategic level, they can never hear. And the reason why they can never hear is because they're not on the tactical level. They never come down to see what's going on, mm-hmm. right? So they're <laughs> they're doing their thing, and they're doing the right thing, you know, working on policies, procedures, protocols, all that good stuff. But unless you have boots on the ground and you're with the troops in the trenches, in the mud, when the bullets are flying over your head, you have no context. You can't understand what the soldiers are saying at the tactical level So I think the real answer is the majority has to get down to the tactical level. They have to put themselves in the shoes of the people on the bottom. And that's hard to do. Not too many people do that. And here's the chaplain coming out. That's what made Christ so special. (laughs) He was at the strategic level, but lived in the tactical level. Right. And and Mm. and when you're able to to put yourself in the shoes of an individual, then you're able to to identify with their pain, their plight, their struggle. And not to get into your home life business, but <laughs> hey, it's out there now. But, Hello, world. But what what happened probably is you put yourself for a, a moment into your wife's shoes, and you were like, mm-hmm. "Oh, I get it now. <laughs> I, get, I get it." That sounds a lot like my experience at the dental office too, right? I mean, the single hardest part of my job is communication. You know, the ability to listen to patients, to hear what they want, to hear what they need, especially when it's complicated by fear. 
it is enormously challenging. And if I'm not very attuned to that, and if I'm not very intentional at removing barriers that, that seem to kind of naturally happen between healthcare providers and, and the public, you know, I really can't serve them well. And, and honestly, I've had to learn that lesson the hard way too many times, you know, but, but I hear you. And just to be clear, for all of our female listeners, maybe I don't, but I think I might need to make sure that we aren't being misunderstood right now. When you talk, Jason, about the different levels, we're not implying that my wife and I aren't on the same level, right? I mean, we're definitely on the same level. But to your point, I have to get close enough to the situation to really be able to hear her, right? So, hey, Greg, talk to us from a coach's perspective. Coaching, very much the same thing. It's easy to stay on the strategic level when you're winning and things are going, but when you're when you're not having success or things are going wrong and you continue to stay on the strategic level and you're not willing to get down to the tactical level or to listen to your players and say, what's happening out there? You know, as coaches, there's an interesting maturity. I think as you start to get older, I always tell people that that age of 35 if you played the game, you start to separate from the game a little bit. You become more of a coach and you don't think as much as a player anymore. And that's a good thing in some ways. The thing that can be detrimental or a little bit off is that you think only as a coach and you don't think as a player anymore and you're not willing to listen to the players because you think that your level of thinking is superior to whatever they are seeing or going through. So you don't listen. And so, you know, one of the things I say is, when are you uncomfortable enough being comfortable with being uncomfortable? So we get to a point to where we, we our comfort level of being uncomfortable, things aren't going well, but I'm, you know, I'm superior, I'm going to stay there because this is where I think I'm at and this is where I think I belong. But to a certain point, something happens to where you say, I can't, this is not working. This is not working. This is not working for our relationship, me and my wife. This is not working for our player-coach relationship. We need to do something different. So now I, I say to my players, what's going on out there? Tell me what you're seeing. Explain that to me so that I can understand and we can work together. And what we tend to think is if I do that, they'll lose respect for me as a coach, as the authority. That's an inner thing that's going on that I'm struggling with that they're not even seeing that they will have more respect for you if you coach can you come to our level I won't even say come down to our come to our level because if you would just listen to us and see what's going on we'll respect you even more so because you're willing to listen and help us where we're at that's where Jesus did he came down where we were and lived that life right I tell people I'm still just scratching the surface of of making that shift, of starting to not just look at things through my lens, but also through the lens of everybody involved because everybody's valuable and they see things a different way and they need to be heard. That's a good point. You know, I wonder if if it's because or partly because a lot of people feel like the life that they have is already hard enough. I'm tempted to say, especially right now with COVID, but I'm sure you could argue that COVID or not, life always has its difficulties. But for a lot of people, life, I don't know, I just think their life is already hard enough. And for them to step into someone else's skin or someone else's shoes, you know, do they have a strong enough reason for themselves to want 
to do that. Yeah, I think I think both both of you guys are just right on target, right in the middle of it. And I so love you bringing, you know, that information of, you know, from the military perspective. That's uh, I love I love that terminology. That's so mm-hmm. that's so good. Strategic all yes. the way down to tactical. And uh, I think he's got a little bit of a dual personality disorder. He's a, he's a soldier one minute, he's the minister the next minute. Yeah. No, it's a, it's no such dichotomy. Is we're, going to, we're, gonna, we're gonna slide the therapy session over just away for just a second. No, I see what you're trying to do. No, he holds he holds those in perfect harmony. Yes he does. Like yes he does. And that's uh, that's a good thing. But the uh, reflecting on on the question or expanding it maybe why is it so difficult to get people to do jason what you're mm-hmm. suggesting mm-hmm. why and greg why is it so difficult to get people to come and put somebody else's skin on mm-hmm. and to see you know with no presupposition and just to connect and hear maybe that's the answer we're looking for i do think that is one of the major obstacles to what we're talking about because the, the majority, they just don't do that. Mm-hmm. So the want is not necessarily necessary. Will you just do it? Just do something different, even if you don't want to. I don't know. That's just thought. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. Again, if if, if I put the the beret on and the <laughs> <laughs> patrol cap, whatever you want to call it, headgear in the army. There's a couple of reasons I think that those in the strategic level don't move down to the tactical level. So let's flesh that out even further. One is ignorance. They just they just don't know, right? And, and we've been talking a lot about that on, on this show. I just wasn't aware. We, we didn't know, right? So there's ignorance there. There is pride. I don't want to. I'm higher than that. I'm past that. I'm not going back down there. There is fear, and that's a big one for me mm-hmm. because I know some higher-ranking people that if they go down to the tactical level, they'll be chewed up and spit out. So they're going, <laughs> oh, seeing what's happening at the tactical level is like a mirror of, yeah. of how, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and we see that even in the family unit, right? But our actions definitely impact our children, right? And then we see these certain behaviors coming up from our children, and it causes us to go, where do they learn that stuff from? Oh, snap. Yes. <laughs> they, yes. got that, they got that from me. So, so those are some of the things that I think prevent those on the strategic level not coming down to the tactical level. But I do got to talk about those on the tactical level, too. So in the military... If you have a gripe or if you have a complaint, you're on the tactical level. You have to be very careful how you use your words. I can't just go into the general's office and be like, you, this, that, or the other, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's yeah. not going <laughs> to work. So right, right. there still has to be respect. There has to be restraint. Mm-hmm. There has to be tact in how you use your words and how you operate. But also in the middle between the strategic and the tactical, there's an operational level, right? And that operational level are, are kind of the people that understand both sides of the situation. They understand what's going on up at the strategic level and on the tactical level. And I think those voices are so, so important. And I like to think that that this show is made up of people 
on the operational level that kind of get both both yeah, sides absolutely. and we're trying to bring attention to, to to both sides of this so that's kind of the way i process all of that okay yeah. that's very well yeah. said because yeah. maybe the, maybe it's the operational you know component that we need to strengthen expand hear more from mm-hmm. step up and uh, yeah. i, I yeah. think we've alluded to before that you know we we kind of believe the majority you know people in this country are generally good folks and yeah. kind of you know want good things for mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. everybody and but but they're not heard the right. operational level in this instance when we're talking about racism is just not being heard right. from right. and so I love that we, you know, this is a call for everyone out there that's on the operational level. We're we're calling you to stand up and to speak and to listen and to get involved. Absolutely, right? right. Because that's the bridge, I guess, or mm-hmm. that's that that connects those levels. And I I love what you say because yeah, people people don't get out and and get in another person's skin or shoes because uh, they're scared. Mm-hmm. They're scared and it's unpleasant and they they just, you know, they don't like maybe what they might find. And I think that's really part of it. So, Clay, hearing you say this makes me think of all the many sessions that that you and I have had. And, you know, I I wish our listeners already had all of those sessions in the background of their minds today. And and I know we have those coming up in the pipeline for future episodes, but it's a little more involved than just – than just fear. It's the way we process fear because it's so involved and so powerful. But today, for today, I, I want our listeners to know that we call this show In Session because we will look in that mirror just as if we are in a personal therapy session. And a lot of us, a lot of us are afraid to do that. So for those who might be afraid to look right now in their own mirror, they can at least see us doing it regardless of what we might find. And hopefully as they stay with us, they'll find the courage to look in their mirror too. One of the thoughts you shared with me the other day, I think it adds well to our discussion right here because even though the way we process fear is certainly in play, you brought up to me the point that we as Americans very much hold to our belief in democracy, but there are problems with that which contribute to this conversation. Talk to us about that. You know, a democracy by design is built to listen to the majority. So there is an inherent advantage of being in the majority if you're operating in a system of democracy. Now, rest assured, I'm not trying to suggest that we change the system, but we do have to look at the process of the system and acknowledge what it is and what it is not. Yeah. And if it is set up to benefit the majority, then what is the minority left to do? How how it mm-hmm. is theoretically impossible for the minority to affect change through a democracy. Right. But it would appear that's all you hear from the majority. Mm-hmm. They yeah. say, right. I say, well, get out and get involved right. and vote and do do some things. And well, th- theoretically, again, you could garner one hundred percent of the minority vote across the board. You could get a hundred percent of the vote, and it still wouldn't make any difference, right? Right? Because the majority in a democracy rules the day. And so, there's some real inherent challenges that go into this, again, part of the complexity. Right. 
And the majority can no longer just sit around and say, hey, you got the same opportunity mm-hmm. to be involved because it's not true. Right, right. It, it is true that you have the same opportunity in some contexts, mm-hmm. but there's also other contexts that do not afford any kind of the sort of the right, opportunity. Right, right, right. And so it it won't be until the majority sees and connects with this injustice and the plight of some of the things that are happening, you know, in this idea of call uh, racism, it won't be until the majority embraces that, that things like this are yeah. going to change. Clay, I think you just hit something there. You know, in our country, the way each person has a voice is supposed to be through voting, right? And, and here we are not too long before the, before the presidential election. And what you said you know, it, it adds a little bit more understanding to me why so many people may not want to go out and vote because many people within the racial minority are also up against other majorities, particularly the socioeconomic majority. And if your means of speaking up is to participate in a process that represents the racial majority and is also influenced by, organized by, funded by the social economic majority it just has to be has to be defeating my question is are their ears a little more open now than what they have ever been before i hope so i hope so and i and i hope the call for that operational level yeah. is what that's that's how i'm tying that yeah. together because, right because right. you know unfortunately in you know in this country and, and by the way this is why democracies are short-lived they really don't last That's that long, long. right hmm. You know, another discussion. Let's don't get into that. But <laughs> <laughs> and they're beautiful systems if the people who are running them are altruistic, kind, honest, and loving. Right. Right. Yeah, we need those kind of people to go to work. But I guess I would follow that up by saying what decisions need to be made right now in order for this to start happening? I think nobody likes the middleman, right? So <laughs> I'm about to incriminate myself a profit. lot too. Right, right, right. So if you look at some of these gangster movies that we like to watch, you know, usually what happens is the middleman gets cut out <laughs> because the middleman is, is in the way, right? And for those of us at the operational level, we didn't decide this. This is, this is where we are. Like, you're in one of these levels. There's, if we're looking at it through the lens that I describe, you're in one of these levels. So you don't, you don't. Not get a decision. Choose. It's not a decision, right? It's if if you have, if you have been blessed and you have worked towards upward mobility and you find comfort, you're at one of these levels. You are, and it's not a decision. Just like we said in the beginning, that the the first episodes, like you know, it's not enough not to. Be a racist, racist right? right? Like you have to do something. You're you're at this level that you are, and and what are you going to do about it? Is the question, right? So it's not calling people to get to this level. No, you're already here, right? And you're either saying something, doing something, or you're not. Which one is it, right? So that's kind of the way I I process it. I mean, if we're going to use this metaphor, it's a call for awareness that most of us are at this operational level and we've been silent. We've been uninvolved. 
we've been looking at the strategic level and we've been looking at the tactical level and most of us sit around and complain about both of them. <laughs> so what right. does, what does involvement look like? Yeah. That, and, and, and <laughs> well, it looks, it looks like four people sitting around and talking, <laughs> talking. and having dialogue yeah. that drives interaction, that builds relationships mm-hmm. and it is going, it's, it's right. going down occasionally and, and getting at that tactical yeah. level. What would we say Coach, if I ask this question, you and I know this because both as therapists, we, we would say we don't like to ask a lot of why questions because Correct. it puts people on the on the defensive. Yeah. But but why have people been uninvolved? Have uh, I truly believe there's more of a majority at the operational level, but we have been silent, like Coach said. Why? My guess is, and it's just a guess, but my guess is that we are we are funneled and trained in too much individualism, in too much seeking personal comfort, or another way to say that is avoiding discomfort. Mm-hmm. And we we work hard to kind of get to a comfortable mm-hmm. position in, in life, and we settle. We settle in, and we kind of then begin to contract – and our sphere of influence and our sphere of involvement kind of begins to shrink. And if it's not touching me directly, I'm not mobilizing, I'm not getting involved, I'm not getting out there, and I'm not doing anything. And, and honestly, if, if I don't watch the news that much. Right. Over the years, I kind of think that's why. You know, it's like uh, – it's not touching me. I'm not going to listen to that. Or yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. not going to say. But you know, if something happens to you, right? I'm like, I'm going to be there. Right, right, right. I'm showing up. I'm I'm going to be there. You're not doing that to my friend, or uh, I mean, if right, I know about right, it, or if right. I'm around. You you see what I'm saying? Right, right. And so again, folding back on the relationships and the interactions and the connections, and expanding that sphere. You know, maybe we just don't believe that we have the power to do much good. Maybe we don't believe that is within our reach. You know, Clay, like what you said, you know, we are very individualistic. And maybe we just don't have a strong enough self-awareness of our responsibility to each other. You know, I mean, it kind of reminds me of, of the movie A Few Good Men, probably my favorite movie of all time. And, you know, do you remember that part in the movie where Dawson and Downey have just been convicted of the death of one of their fellow Marines. And Downey doesn't understand why they're convicted because they were just following orders. They were just doing what they were told to do. But when when Downey asked Dawson what they did wrong, Dawson takes responsibility and he says their job as Marines is to fight for those who can't fight for themselves. And that even applies to their fellow soldiers in the Marine Corps, right? And so What I'm taking from our conversation today is that maybe our awareness of that responsibility is undermined or eroded or, you know, by our sense of individualism. What do you guys think? I love that movie too. And one of my, one of my favorite parts about that is the, the Marine when he has the standoff with Tom Cruise and gets Tom Cruise to realize his strength and a way to step up in the courtroom. And to do the necessary, because he was ready to give up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and he, he stepped up and, and, you know, in some ways he called him a quitter. Right. Yeah. He called him a quitter. 
Listen, I, I, I will, from a, just a self-disclosure, say the, the last, since George Floyd and really Ahmaud Arbery, it's been some of the most uncomfortable weeks in my life. Yeah. Because I am not one, I mean, this, what we're doing now is, is, would have been a tad bit, if you'd asked me this five, six months ago, I probably would not have done this, but I'm, I'm sort of embracing my discomfort with with everything now because i've been asked to do a lot of things and jason and i have spoken which i don't like being up in front of a crowd speaking and and doing different things that's been big time uncomfortable talking about you know i can be very comfortable in my office which is away from everything being by myself and now i've had to go out and speak and have had to address certain situations and have had to have this conversation with people but I can't live in that comfort zone anymore. I can't because that will not allow me to grow. That is really not me also living in faith to say that I have, a, I have more ability than to just sit in, a, in an office away from everybody and just do a certain thing. I truly believe we all have a gift and you're, you're right. We need to go out there and we need to use this gift. So, I have been very uncomfortable the last, you know, six, seven, eight weeks because I've been out there doing things that I would not have done had all this stuff not happened. But in order for me to grow, in order for my family to grow, in order for, we talked about example of Mm -hmm. our kids, even in the way in which we, for my kids to grow, I've needed to go out and be uncomfortable and have the discussion with people. I would love for all this to just go away. And for everything to be okay. You know, one of the things I like about this conversation so much that we've been having is that for me, these conversations have exposed my comfort zone a little bit. Mm-hmm. They've made me more mm-hmm. aware mm-hmm. of, because I, I had never before even would have been able to articulate a lot of the things that we've been talking about right here. But I'm glad we've been having these talks. You yeah, know? yeah, ab- so, absolutely. But other yeah. people, again, that reinforces the idea that what we're here for, people need to be building relationships. They need to be talking about things because if for no other reason, it might expose your comfort zones and, you know, and, and identify what you can do. Jared, you're, you're saying something so powerful right Thank you, now. Jason. Just because. Um, Say that again. Yeah, powerful. <laughs> There's power in your words. I Wife, listen. Y- you, you, you touched <laughs> on something. She's got to listen to the second half, not the first half of the show. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's been all good. Um, so you said something that just really struck me. You said, you know, at the operational level, we don't realize our power. We don't realize our influence. So right now I'm talking military a lot just because I'm attending uh, CGSC. It's Man, the I Command Staff and General it. Officer College. Uh, so so um, as a 04, as a major, we're learning from our instructors that we have a powerful voice. So what a major is, is it's basically a second lieutenant on the staff officer side, right? So we're like the lowest on the totem pole in the operational, almost strategic level, right? So I, but if if you look at it through a private's lens, if you're a major, they go, 
whoa, they've got they've got a little bit of power, right? So as O fours, we're in this weird space where it's like we're not in charge of anything, <laughs> but man, we got a lot of influence down here. We got right? some clout. Yeah. So, so right, and and what our instructors remind us all the time is that your voice is so so important because you speak to the people on the strategic level, and you've got to be an example to the people on the tactical level, right? So what you said just really resonated with me because. Sometimes I feel like my voice is not mm -hmm. enough. It's not mm -hmm. that effective. It's not mm -hmm. that important. So I'm just going to retreat hey, <laughs> and man. wait till I get to the strategic level, right? I heard you preach so, the other day. You got a great voice. Well, well, you can thank bring you. it. Thank you, brother. Uh, the other thing that I think about is you talked about the good side of it. People need to be equipped and they need to know that their voice matters at the operational level and you have power to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's huge. We need to press that more. Right. Yeah. The other side of it, the fear, though, on the operational level, is we're catching bullets from both sides. <laughs> right? So it's yeah. like yeah. we're sandwiched in between two groups that are shooting at each other. And the best thing that we can do is protect ourselves, right? <laughs> so so I'm going to not say certain things or do certain things because I don't know how it will be welcomed or perceived. So so I'd rather not engage in the conversation at all because if I do, I'm going to get upside the head from this group and get upside the head from that group. So let me just retreat and wait but and wait. Again, look at what's happening right here at this table. Right, mm -hmm. There are four of us. We're not fighting this on our own. Each of us brings our own strength to the table, but you're not fighting alone. No one right. says you have to go fight alone. Right. 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 right? No one says that. In fact, we say connect, talk together. That's part of how you fight mm -hmm. is you just talk, right? Yeah. 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 We have to mobilize all of those people that are out there at the – operational mm -hmm. level because mm -hmm. they're doing exactly what you described vision mm -hmm. we're just laying low mm -hmm. and Taking and, I, cover. and i contend <laughs> right. i contend that that's the majority yeah 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 i do i i believe it and if we can mobilize the majority to at least stop laying low we might get some traction in this and and get involved in each other's lives and that's that's when it changes who is my neighbor right Anybody that mm -hmm. I come into contact yeah. with and have interaction with and develop a relationship. And it absolutely, positively extends to the marginalized. And it has to, as a human, as a human being, I must accept a responsibility to the marginalized, mm -hmm. not for the marginalized. Mm -hmm. But I have a responsibility to. You're right. The marginalized and that distinction of being responsible to and responsible for is a major player mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. in yeah. the discussion yeah. So. Yeah. absolutely yeah and you're going to hear more about that in upcoming episodes and later guys thank you so much for coming again i'm having an awesome time doing this i don't know if you guys i, I don't great. know if you guys are having as much fun yes. as i am but i'm having a great time of course no, we were just getting started today I know. We, <laughs> we, we had we had more to go but lots more to talk yeah, about yeah so there's a let's, lot let's uh let's do it again let's do it again no sound doubt. good sounds good to me oh yeah i'm in i'm in brother all right hey everybody love each other and be kind 
Okay, well, there you have it. It looks like we're going to be doing part two of this show next week. Thanks again for listening today. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and turn on your notifications so you'll know the minute the newest episode publishes. And as we said in the show today, it is very important that we mobilize and get the word out. And a great way for you to start doing that is to share this podcast with your friends so we can grow more support for unity in this world. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and our website, InSessionPodcast.com. Come see us there, and we'll be back for part two next week on In Session with Jared and Clay.